Prey 2 isn't cancelled, Crisis 3 is announced, and Ubisoft is sued over Assassin's Creed. All that, plus more, on today's MASHcast. edition of the Mash Those Buttons MASHcast. I'm Jarrett. I'm here with senior editor Rob Hill-Williams. Good morning, good evening, or good night, whenever you happen to be listening. I'm also here with Nick Zelenkevich, podcast host and now contributor to the site. Hello, everybody! <laughs> and uh, also here, once again, Mikey Kenny, who is also a contributor and apparently a podcast host. <laughs> Round two. Yay. Woo! Made it to round two. All right. <laughs> Nick, st- he still wins every week. He's got I, that energy, man. I practice. I just, in the mirror, I just get myself hyped up before every podcast. And he's probably not lying about that, folks. <laughs> no, he's not. All right, so let's let's get into it, Rob. What have you been playing? Um, well, I've been playing. Can I even talk about the one game I've been playing? Damn it, I mean, no. I talk about it, but yeah, like, yeah, you can't really, you can't mention the game name. I, I totally forgot about that. Sorry. Okay, folks. so <laughs> I'm playing a game that you'll find about, find out about next week when the embargo goes up. Um, Monday, probably. Be up. Yeah. Uh, and I've been playing Shang Two because that went free on PlayStation Plus. So really, I just started it more or less. Like I played like the first level. That's about it. Um, it's a good time. It's Shank. Whatever. Like I played it by myself, so I didn't get to play any of the other stuff. Um, Super Monday Night Combat. I got a beta invite for after packs. Played that for like a couple of days. Um, it's got that stupid mobile learning curve, but like I've kind of got the hang of it now, and it's it's fun now instead of just terrible and horrible and just rapey. Um, not to use that word in such a manner. Um, but the game is actually out now. Like they they really were just like, okay, game's out. Like. There was no big like announcement. It was just like, okay, game's out. That's and now it's on an Steam. Accident. Yeah, whatever. It wasn't supposed to come out, and it uh, the Steam rolled it out by accident, and the developer just said whatever and went with it because there was still stuff broken. Like they there was stuff broken when it was released. They just fixed it like today. Like I think the chat server was totally broken. Yeah, well, it wasn't broken during beta. Um, like it, like everything was more or less rolled out, like the store and everything else. So I mean. I don't know. I was just like, oh, okay, it's out. So go get it. It's fun. It's free to play. Whatever. Um, just be aware. Learning curve. And I play a little bit of Borderlands. Um, a couple hours. Because I'm excited for Borderlands 2. So I wanted to play that. So yeah, that's it. Have, have you played all the DLC for Borderlands? I've, I've played all of them except Claptrap, but I haven't finished any of them. Oh, that's like the best one. <laughs> well, I wanted to finish all the other ones before I went into Claptrap. That's true. Okay, well, Nick, what have you been playing? Uh, kind of a light week. I just played a little bit of TF2. Okay, well, that's new. Still not infamous, <laughs> though. <laughs> no, that, that, that's on my, it, it's on my backlog. It's on my backlog. It should be on your front log. 
this is not the porn cast. <laughs> oh, Wait a uh, <laughs> Mikey, what about you? What you been playing? Uh, let's. I played some League of Legends this week. Um, because the new patch just hit. Uh, Skullgirls. I've been playing, which is I've, I've. There's actually a tournament this weekend, and Blaze Blue because the tournament's this weekend. And I finished Mass Effect Three. Yeah, okay. that's it. <laughs> and you also weren't really upset by the ending either, right? I I just have one criticism, but I can't talk about it, and I'm not going to talk about it. So okay, that's fine. Don't spoil it. I'm not. It's just I don't I, I don't see the outcry. I mean, there might be a plot hole or two, but other than that, meh. Okay. Uh, as for me, I've only had a chance to play three games, and that's pretty much because I'm working on articles for all three of them. Um, I played Fez, which, uh, Fez is good. Um, it's actually a, a great puzzle game. Um, it takes, you know, it's like, uh, if, in the previews, I get, I think you don't, actually, I haven't watched any trailers, uh, like, since it released, or I didn't watch the launch trailer, but all the trailers I saw before really didn't express, you know, how the gameplay is, that you're on a 2D plane and you can flip the plane, you know, uh, and basically that's how you solve the puzzles. Because you may, on one plane, you, these your platforms may be far apart, but then when you flip it sideways, the platforms are now closer together, and you can actually jump to it and then flip it so, back. So, when you talk about flip the plane, do you mean kind of like how Super Paper Mario kind of worked, or...? Uh, kind of. It's like, basically, you turn it, like, a 90 degrees, basically. Oh, okay. You turn so, it so, 90 degrees. So, the wall that you're facing, that becomes the floor. Uh, no, not like that. It turns like every the floor is still the floor, but it's like you get to see the other side. Like oh, okay. it's like you you'll stand in front of like let's say a building or a house, and when you turn the plane ninety degrees, now you can see the side of the house. Mm. So now you can get to the back of the house. And there may be a back door, like you know the front door may be locked. Then you can get into the back door, and then when you get inside the house, it's one big room, and you can flip the room around and you can find different things. And that's kind of how you solve your puzzles. And some of the puzzles are like uh, you can't flip anything. That's part of the puzzle. You know, I'm actually kind of stuck on one as we speak. <laughs> um, but uh, other than Fez, um, I've been playing Tribes still. Yeah, Tribes is a fun game, but you know, I think a lot, and P, certain people are praising its free-to-play model, and I think it's doing it the wrong way. Uh, because, yes, you do not have to spend money on anything if you don't want to. You can spend XP. You can unlock every single class. The only, actually, the only thing you have to spend money on, I think, are skins, if you want the skin packs. But you can unlock every class with XP. You can buy every weapon with XP. But the XP prices are ridiculous. Like, I was talking to Nick earlier, and there's a sniper rifle that, you know, it's not, basically, it's more powerful, and you can shoot it from the hip. There are no negatives to the sniper rifle. So it's definitely an upgrade to the standard sniper rifle. Mm-hmm. Um, to buy this sniper rifle on XP costs about a hundred thousand XP. Okay, which is a lot, and I'll tell you how how much that is. With me capturing flags, returning flags, getting top score on my team, uh, and killing a lot of people in a match, I mm-hmm. barely, I barely got over a thousand XP for that. Mm-hmm. You know, and I dominated that match. So, how, right? how long? How long was the match? Uh, that match had to last at least twenty minutes. My question is, can you buy that sniper rifle with money? Yes, you can. And okay, no, I already hate it. it. 
<laughs> you can yeah, buy you, it. You and the minute buy, you say you can buy power, I'm like, you're that's dumb. And that's what I was gonna get into. Like, you can buy that sniper rifle with money, and it costs ten dollars. Yeah. So uh, no. seeing these prices like this made me wonder. Well, exactly how much is gold worth? Like, how many dollars is gold? So I did the calculations. It's seventy gold per dollar. Okay. Um, every class costs two forty. Okay, so that's about three dollars and thirty cents each class, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you get there's nine classes, so if it's three thirty, I'm doing the math right now. <laughs> so it's three thirty uh, times nine, it's like twenty nine bucks, you know, twenty nine seventy for for all your classes. So that's like half of what you would pay for a console first person shooter right now. But then on top of that, each class has one of these weapons that are pretty high powered. Um, without really any uh, negatives to them. So, you know, each of these guns are like, you know, $7, $10, you know. So, but if you wanted everything that the game has to offer, you're pretty much going to be paying more than 60 bucks. Now, you can buy the gold pack that right now costs $50 and probably unlock a lot of this stuff. Mm-hmm. But not like, but that's thing. Not all unlock a lot of this stuff, but I still don't think it'll unlock everything. When this, I guess the, it's on sale because the game is still new right now. But that same pack is gonna cost a hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, when the uh, you know when it's when it's off sale. So I mean, I, I, so, so, go ahead. So that's up there in price with like Call of Duty if you include like the Elite membership. The, like the elite, yeah, the Elite membership and the DLC. Yeah, like I don't. I don't mind if you like try to sell, like I, I'm I've, I'm trying to come up with a good example of the free to play model, and I come to League of Legends again just because like you can buy champions with real money, but you can use influence points, which is basically like XP, I guess in the case, to get the champions. And like each, some of them are cheaper, some of them are expensive, whatever, based on how new they are. Yeah. But like, there's this thing called runes that just gives you raw power or whatever that adds to your champions. Everyone has a rune page or whatever that you can like add to these things, but you can't buy the runes with money. You have to use influence points. Right. Well, that's another thing. Like even like with that, let's say that, that $50 one, that's going to be $99 later. Um, you, let's say it does let you buy all the items. You mm-hmm. still can't, you still have to play the game because you have to upgrade these items now. Really? You have to upgrade your items that you buy. Yep, and you can't do that with money. You can only do that with XP. Which so you can so you can buy power, but then you have to actually play to level up that power. You have to play to level up the power. But the gun itself, like it's it's not like TF2 where you can buy a gun for five bucks or like or more. But every weapon has a negative. Like when I use you know the machinima in TF2, like sure I can shoot through two people if I get a headshot, but it doesn't shoot. It doesn't fire when I'm not zoomed in. You know what I'm saying? Like every gun has a negative. This gun has no negative. Really? The, the specific gun. There's no. There's no reason why I would not use this weapon if I was. If I. If I had it. So this is the Ultima sniper rifle. But, yeah, like it's. It's. But, oh, go ahead, Nick. Well, no. Is, is that maybe the expectation? In so far as 
I mean, basically, I'm, I'm assuming that, that the developer has a set idea of like, well, this is how much our game should be worth. And if, if free to play wasn't an option, then this is how much we'd sell the game for. And we want to encourage people to get to that point. And so instead of looking at like the base game where everything should be balanced and equal is the free to play version and everything beyond that that you're purchasing should be at that level. Is it that they're looking at? Well, no, we're expecting if once you put in, say, $20 or $30, then you get to that level where everything's even and it's a balanced playing field because everybody has the uber sniper sniper rifle but i say i don't think that's gonna happen you know what i'm saying like not everybody's gonna get gonna buy that weapon or spend the time to get the xp to get that weapon you know what i'm saying yeah especially when there's so much xp to spend elsewhere like basically if me and another person are at us at a, are at a level play level playing field in terms of skill level and he has that sniper rifle and i don't he has the upper hand you know what and I'm that's, saying? Why, that's why the expectation is that you would both have the sniper rifle Right, but well, then, then he would have to dump so much time in the experience to get it. Well, without paying, like, well, without well exactly, paying. exactly. They, 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 you're very, you're very strongly encouraged to purchase it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's. I, I that's, think that see where they're coming from. Well, that's kind of the thing. Like, I, I don't get me wrong. I understand it's free to play, and they need to make their money somewhere. Like, I was considering just buying all the classes. You know what I'm saying? Just buy all the classes. And, you know, uh, open them up so I can level them up and do stuff. Because, you know, I, I understand that it's free to play and they need to make their money. And it's it's fair somewhere. They give me the game for free, but I got to spend money somewhere. That's fine. However, my problem comes in, the, like, you know, the fact that, you know, I, you have to buy, like, well, you don't have to buy it. I either have to spend an obscene amount of time playing the game without upgrading anything. And that's not going to work out because you get paired, as you level up, you get paired up with other people at your level. And they're going to have upgraded weapons, so you you have to sacrifice upgrading for a long time if you're going to buy this the sniper rifle, right? You know, you know, it just feels like they're they're really pressuring you into to buying this extra stuff that's not like three four bucks. This gun is ten dollars. Yeah. You know, and it's just a value thing. I that's and that kind of it's kind of turning me off to it. You know, I'm still going to play it for a little bit because as of right now, I haven't bought anything. But I'd be more open if I didn't feel like they were trying to kind of siphon my money from me yeah. and get more than I thought the game was worth. So I'm a st- like, I'm a, it's not a bad game. It's, it, Tribes is actually a good game, but I'm a little torn on it. Now, the other free-to-play I've been playing is Ghost Recon Online, which that, that, that's kind of the opposite of what's happening because um, with the amount of experience, or not experience, but credits you get from each match... You can you can upgrade your weapons. You can buy grenades. You can buy weapons. And I'm actually more inclined to spend money in in GRO than tribes right now. Like because I can kind of see the results that I'm getting. Like okay, I, I played this much, so I, I I can afford one weapon now, and I can now I can work on upgrading this weapon. I'm actually thinking about you know getting doing the XP boost so I can get things faster. You know, it's, 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 I guess it's perception in my case. Like, you know, who knows? Like, maybe I just don't see the, <laughs> the underlying scheme in GRO. But from my perspective, I've already got, like, I haven't spent a dime in this game and I've already gotten, you know, I'm already, I've already unlocked a weapon. You know what I'm saying? Whereas in tribes, I've only unlocked, I've unlocked three classes at this point. Do you feel that you'll burn through all of the content? quicker in gro because it sounds like i guess from an like i guess a a time to acquisition standpoint it sounds like you're you're getting stuff much quicker there yes but it's not about the thing is like it's a multiplayer experience like they could give me all all of the guns tomorrow and i'd still play the game 
You see what I'm saying? Like, I, I can, I'll, I'd still play the game if I had all the guns right now. But ba- like, now I'm unlocking stuff and I'm trying stuff out. When I get all the guns, you know, I can try. I, by the point that I get all the guns, if I do get all the guns, depending on how, to, how I play, I'll know how, how I like my equipment at that point, and I'll continue to play. You know, like I still play TF2, and you know, I'm not, I'm not scrounging for upgrades there. It's about the multiplayer experience. But I'm more inclined to spend money in GRO. And by the time I get done spending money in GRO, they'll probably have made their money off of me. Because I'll probably only buy XP boost unless I'm just in a huge rush and I want a specific gun and it's cheap enough. Like, I'm not, I am not buying a digital weapon for more than $5. And that's a, that's, that's a lot to me. $5 for a digital gun? That's a lot to me, you know? But, like, definitely, like, $10 for one gun? Too much, dude. Too much. I get. I have. I have entire downloadable games on my 360 for ten dollars. Yeah. You know. So. But uh, now that free to play corner is over, let's actually get into the um, <laughs> into the, into the topics. Uh, so first up, uh, we got some good news. Prey Two is not canceled. Uh, some rumors have been going around that Prey Two was canceled, but Bethesda came out and squashed that rumor, saying that Prey Two wasn't canceled. Now, uh, the reason, uh, reportedly, that the rumors were start spreading around was that, uh, and I don't think anybody confirmed this, but it's a source over at Shack News says that, uh, uh, who, who's the developer? Head, uh, Human Head Studios is the developer for Prey 2. They did not like their, uh, their contract with Bethesda or Zenimax, and they stopped working on the game to renegotiate the contract. And apparently that hasn't been going too well. And there's a good chance that we're going to be looking at a brand new developer for Prey 2. Mm. So I'm, I'm happy that Prey 2 isn't canceled. But at the same time, I'm like, ah, bringing a new dev in, that's a little risky. Uh, Bethesda uh, says that, you know, what they released a statement today saying that, you know, Prey 2 isn't, it's not canceled, it's delayed. Uh, and that the uh, the delay is because the development hasn't been hasn't progressed satisfactorily, uh, you know, and it doesn't meet their quality standards. And they says that they will not sacrifice quality to meet the release schedule. And my heart started to beat really, really fast when I heard that, because it makes me feel good, <laughs> you know, that yeah, you know, that even though all this is happening because if this was somebody else, like you know, they would just uh, pushed it out and said, here you go. Yeah, they will push it out, try to fix it later. But you know, who knows? That they may have learned their lesson from you know, like uh, you know, some of their their other games that they pushed out really fast. Why am I? I can't think of the name of the game. I keep Borderlands keeps popping in my head, but it's not Borderlands. Brink. There we go. Sorry, Brink. Like I lo- like I, I I like Brink a lot. I got Brink after all the bugs were fixed, but that was the problem. Like we said it before. We talked, I think we talked about this before, but Brink came out, and it was just riddled with bugs so much that it destroyed the community right right off the bat. Oh, Brink. I remember that game. Yeah, it's a, it's actually a good game, but nobody plays it. Well, it's because I think I did the review when it first came out, and it was just so bad. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Like It was so buggy and so many problems, and they, they kind of just pushed it out. But, you know, with Prey 2, they said, you know, 
they they say they have a major investment in it. They want to make sure it meets uh, their quality standards. And yeah, but isn't isn't that easy for them to say? I mean, the game is clearly not complete if it hasn't been worked on since November. So yeah, if you've got to sit there and say, well, it hasn't progressed satisfactorily, which is to say, not at all, then you know it's very easy to say, oh, well, we're waiting for it to get to our quality standards. They're, they could have low quality standards, and the game is not anywhere near that yet. So I mean, yeah, it's it's, it's a nice. PR phrase, but I'll, uh, I'll I'll wait to see how good the game is when it comes out. Ding, ding, ding! I absolutely because I'm like all of it is nice PR speak for this isn't going anywhere. We'll be happier when it's going somewhere. I mean, like I'm tentatively hopeful that it may still turn out okay. But considering the last time that you know they didn't you know push through development and they switched you know was Rogue Warrior and that game was shit. And I'm not saying this is the same thing, really. I mean, this is a higher profile release than that. But switching developers does not tend to go all that well. Like, mm-hmm. and 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 it and it and ultimately, people may be wishing that it did get canceled <laughs> because of how crappy it turns out. But you know, time will tell. But I don't. I, I'm glad they're like saying all of that, but it it doesn't mean anything. The final product matters. Well, yeah. Well. Obviously, but still, they could have easily just got somebody else on it, another one of their studios, and then pushed it out by release day or by the timetable they want to, and they decided not to. So, I mean, yeah, who knows? I mean, even if if, uh, if the regular developer stayed on it, who knows how that would have turned out? You know, you can't say if that was going to turn out, you know, good or bad. I mean, there's been games or lots of games that have one single developer, and it still kind of sucks. Yeah, but you throw even more developers into the mix, and how well does a game turn out even past that point? I mean, there was questions about whether or not Prey 2 was really looking all that great when it started. So, I mean, yeah, sure, that one studio can not do well, but, meh. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll see what happens. Uh, depends on, actually, we don't even know how far they got into development in the first place. So, you know, they <laughs> whoever picks it up, if they can't come to an agreement, may be coming in with kind of a, maybe coming in with only assets who knows but we'll see what happens when the game comes out we'll probably get more video and screenshots like because we uh actually they did have a video but it wasn't released to the press but um well, it was only released uh, to some press but we'll see what happens as and you know in the future i'm pretty sure they'll have something by e3 to show you know if, if i can just say your comment about them only having assets make me wonder if uh well, is this just for PC? Is this for consoles? It's for, yeah, console and PC. Console. Because it makes me wonder if, if maybe they're not that developer that, you know, you know, weren't they working on a sequel to a highly popular console game from the last generation? And then they're, they're running into problems doing a, a sequel. What is it? Doing a sequel? I just said that. Um, but I wonder if maybe they're, devel- they're, they're the developer and now they're trying to renegotiate the contract because the costs are, are, uh, are, are completely sky high. Oh, you're talking about that article we talked yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, the one back. from the, was it last week where uh, where the de- or two weeks ago where the developer was saying that uh, it's going to be twice as much to work on the next generation consoles. Oh. I wonder if maybe this is them. Uh, not for Prey Two. Prey Two was released for this console. It's scheduled for a release here. Okay. This generation. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But um, let's move on to our next topic, which is more good news for me. I don't know how anybody else really feels, but uh, Crisis Three is uh has been announced officially. It actually, originally, like, somebody over at Origin flipped the switch they weren't supposed to, 
and <laughs> it showed up in the origin store with the with the uh, cover art having uh, showing um profit holding a crossbow or a uh, compact bow. So, which actually I'm kind of this article from Game Informer. Side note, I got a little. I don't know what. I don't know why. Well, I don't know why, but I got a little uh, teed off when I saw that they called him the prophet. I'm like that's it's not the prophet. He's not a prophet. This is call sign. It's just prophet, man. But I digress. That's just the fan in me. But uh, basically, uh, it looks like Crisis Three is coming out. It's going to be in New York City again, uh, set in 2047 in something called the Cell Corporation's Liberty Dome, which, if you play to the end of Crisis 2, I'm like, I, you know, I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but, like, why are we still, why are we focusing on Cell and not on the Ceph? But, hey, that's just me. <laughs> but, um, the, uh, the Liberty Dome houses, um, these things called the Seven Wonders. I'm assuming that, you know, you're going to have to collect something from each one of these wonders, uh, but the game is supposed to center around Cell Corporations. Uh, you know, the, the the dome is supposed to, you know, uh, be protecting people uh, in the quarantine zone. But it turns out that the Cell Corporation is trying to take over the world. So you have a corporation trying to take over the world while aliens are trying to destroy uh, humanity. So mm. that's how that's going. Sounds to like go. a crisis. Oh, that's Nick's <laughs> job, Mikey. Sorry. I, can, I didn't know if Nick would jump on that or not, so I decided to. I, I was thinking it sounds like a Republican nightmare. Oh. Oh, yeah. Mikey was he was funnier. He was funnier. He wins that one. Yeah. Anyway, but I don't know. I didn't play Crisis 2, so I don't really. But how long ago was it that Crisis 2 came out? It's 2011. Last year. This one's coming out in 2013, I believe. So a two-year life cycle. I mean, a two-year cycle between how? What? What was the lifespan between Crisis One to Crisis Two? Ooh, Crisis One came out in two thousand and seven. When did? Hmm. But you know what? For Crisis Two, they had to. They revamped everything. So do you think? Do you think that they that they would? Do you think within two years they had enough? They've had enough time to advance. To do enough advan- advancements to be able to actually say this is a quality next step for Crisis, I think so. I mean, I th- I'm they're they're pretty good. I'm pretty sure they're going to use the Crytek three engine again. Yeah. So that means like you know from Cry- from Crisis one to Crisis two, you had a you had a change in engine tech. Um, the I mean the the gameplay elements they had before were good. Like they really didn't need to change anything. The AI was good. The, like this thing. Like the difference between Crisis One and Crisis Two was so much. Kind of like did you play Assassin's Creed? Yeah, between one and two, there was between, like such a massive difference. Yeah, exactly. It was such yeah. a massive difference. And then you know now you you go from uh, you know Assassin's Creed Two to Brotherhood to. So- so now, so now, here's my question for you. Then, since you brought up, do you think they're gonna milk this franchise then for all it's worth, like uh, the assassins? I don't know. I don't. I don't think they're gonna try to go yearly with it. If that's what you mean, like they're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna try to build the franchise and get as much money as possible. If they can pop a Crisis game out every two years, they're definitely going to. Right. Um, but I don't think they're gonna milk it as bad as Assassin's Creed because Assassin's Creed, like. That's like, yearly, and it's that's, getting ridiculous. Yeah, the thing like <laughs> even Brotherhood, the end of Brotherhood felt so rushed, and uh, there were definitely quality issues and revelations, but still, it's Assassin's Creed was still a good game. And, oh yeah, you know that's the thing. Like I, I think that they could actually you know what. Be honest with you, for me to be happy with this game, if they did 
in terms of, like, if they did the same exact thing, like, you know, if they didn't change any gameplay mechanics, if they didn't really add any weapons, I'd actually still be okay with paying for this game. As long as it progressed the story. Okay. I would be okay with that. That's that's what I was curious about. Yeah, that's because I really, really enjoyed Crisis 2. Okay. Um, but, you know, I'm pretty sure, you know, it's Crisis 3, they have to add new features, so obviously they've already added at least one new weapon. Yeah, the bow. Um, yeah, the bow. Um, they're gonna add new alien weapons, there's gonna be, uh, new scenery, uh, which is kind of gonna be a little different, because at least in Crisis 2, you could go to different parts of New York City, like, you know, you drive, you be on the FDR one second, by the time you get to the end of the game, you're in Central Park, you know, you're in Manhattan, you're at Grand Central Station, and now you're in this dome, so I'm curious, you know, what's in the dome? <laughs> you know, what, what part, what parts of the city are in the dome, and what are these things called the Seven Wonders? So, you know, all that stuff is going to be answered for us. But I am excited as a fan. If you're a first-person shooter fan, I highly recommend you play Crisis 2. Because, I, I mean, I, I, got, I only bought it because I got it for cheap on Amazon. I My expectations were, like, pretty low. And then I was like, wow, I would have totally paid 60 bucks for this game. You know? I did the same exact thing with Bulletstorm. I only paid $5 for that. I'm like, wow, I would have totally paid 60 bucks for this game. <laughs> but, hey... I got it for cheaper, so I'm just I'm still happy. I'm, I'm that much happier. Send, you, can still, you can still send the difference to the developers. How about a don't? <laughs> <laughs> and just buy this game brand new. And he show would, my the keyword is he would have bought it. For exactly. <laughs> would have. Can I bring up one thing that worries me? Okay. I mean, like Crisis, yeah, the Crisis series has been a, you know pretty good, so I'm sure it'll it'll still be okay. But it worries me a little bit when like you don't really have all that much to say about the game, but you have a full list of like pre-order bonuses, and you're talking about pre-ordering the game and blah 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 blah, and all the bonuses you'll get before you even show anything about the game. Like, show me the fucking game first. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. Like, it's just kind of like one of those weird like, mm, yay publishers. Yeah, I'd- but. The announcement came though because they accidentally put that, I guess, the pre-order or not the pre-order, but the the, the download information up on uh, on Origin. So I, I what, totally, it, I totally get that it's not planned, but you have all that information planned. Well, that would be the, I guess that that would be the information that was displayed. I, I, I would I would have to assume that the, everything else is awaiting the official announcement. This is just what came out first. Mm. Yeah. Well, actually, it's kind of funny <laughs> because um. You know, they always say that the DLC stuff, because I'm showing this stuff, if you don't get the pre-order, this is going to be DLC. Yeah. And they always say, well, the DLC comes later. You know, that that's after the game is done. The game is obviously not done. <laughs> you know? And they already have this ready, so that's that's kind of funny. No, but um, that, that, I guess that's good, though. At least it's, at least it's available, even if you don't buy it ahead of time, you can still get it at some point. Yeah, I guess so. But it, I mean, my point was that we were. Ju- it, it just kind of shows that they know what they're going to sell off from the game. You know that they know that okay, we're gonna sell all this for sixty, and we're holding this stuff back. It just kind of it kind of proves the point. And then lock it on the disc. Anyways, now. Yeah, yeah. That's a, that's another topic for another time. <laughs> um, we're gonna go ahead and move on to our next topic though, which is uh, Ubisoft actually getting sued over Assassin's Creed copyright infringement. A uh, guy by the name of John L. Biswinger, I'm going to go with here. Any objections to that? No. 
Just gonna, mm. I'm just gonna go like John L. B. Though most of the time, <laughs> Bice Swinger. That's who we're Bice going Swinger. with. Well, Sounds he... like an evil guy, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> well, he is an American uh, novelist, and uh, apparently, he has uh, his novel is based on the premise that ancestral memories can be accessed, recalled, relived, and re-experienced by participants in a radical new uh, scientific process, which pretty much sounds like Assassin's Creed. <laughs> um, oh, you know. It, it, it's definitely plausible that somebody read his book or read his novel and then came up with the idea for Assassin's Creed. Um, so, basically what he wants is uh, his, he's, it's a lawsuit. He's requesting no less than $105 million be awarded. Um, the amount could be, if a judge rules that Ubisoft willfully infringed on his copyright, mm-hmm. they're talking about close to $5.25 million. Uh, he's also requesting the judge prevent the release of Assassin's Creed 3 and all related product, uh, products. I highly doubt. I mean that you. I mean he he wants 1.5 between 1.5. Well, sorry, 1.05 to 5.25 million. I'm pretty sure him and Ubisoft are gonna come to an agreement. You know, I'm pretty. I'm hey, whether I don't think they're gonna take this into court. Or keep it in court for that long, you know. Whether or not that they actually did infringe, I mean, if that's the guy's novel, it definitely sounds a whole lot about uh, a whole a whole lot of uh, like Assassin's Creed. Um, there were other similarities, like um, like spiritual and biblical tones, references made to Jesus and God and the Garden of Eden, forbidden fruit, probably Adam and Eve, all that good stuff. You know, it's. It's his novel on Assassin's Creed kind of sound the same, and you know Ubisoft may not even want to take this to a judge. They like they probably want to settle with the guy because he's looking only looking for I shouldn't say only like you know one yeah, million dollars isn't a lot of money. Like, he's looking for one billion dollars and some change. So well, they might go you know give him a little bit extra just to get him out of their hair. Yeah, but if if he's stubborn enough, if he's got like you know that stubborn will about him, he might just go for it all. He might. He definitely might do that, but who knows? Well, we'll have to just watch and see what happens with that. I wouldn't be surprised if Ubisoft actually just you know said okay, whatever, <laughs> and their lawyers took care of it and didn't take it into uh, you know didn't keep it in court for that long. But I don't um, think we're gonna see. I don't think we're gonna see. Assassin's Creed really affected by this, but go ahead, Rob. I mean, like, they they probably will try and settle, but I mean, like, it's going to be pretty easy one way or the other, because it's going to be pretty obvious whether or not the guy had, you know, like, working manuscripts, things like that, you know, when the books came out, you know, if they came out prior to Assassin's Creed and stuff, like, if there's enough time frame, because, like, that, that one focal point of, like, the ancestral memories and stuff is, like, and that sounds like, I mean, that's, it's just way too close. Like even cause the spiritual stuff, like, you know, like, okay, like what, you know, there's lots of things to talk about God and garden of Eden and stuff like that. But I mean, I mean, it'll be pretty easy to tell the other part because it's a pretty big focal point of Assassin's Creed really, but they're going to have to pay him a lot of money to go away. I think more than just, you know, the 5 million or the 1 million, honestly, I mean, you'll probably never find out because when they settle, you usually don't hear an amount, but it, he could also just be looking for a moral thing too. Like, no, you, you copied my stuff. I just don't want to see your. I don't want to see you make any more money. But we'll see. Man, if he did that, 
we would never get Assassin's Creed three, and we would never know what would happen. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I really can't see that happening. Money speaks volumes. It does, it does. but but it really if, depends. It yeah, really depends. Depends on the person. Yeah. Especially if he's still gonna get money too. Yeah. In a way, like you know, like I said, they're gonna have to pay him a lot to go away. I don't know. <laughs> Might be eating a little bit of that cash cow, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, but let's move on to our next topic. Um, apparently, the CEO of Apple made a trip to Seattle. Uh, I think this week. Uh, this week, Tim Cook from Apple went to, to went to Valve headquarters this week to speak with Gabe Newell. Now, nobody knows what they talked about. However, there's speculation. Is this speculation that um, Apple? wants to partner on a console with Valve to oh. kind of take over the living room. And, I mean, there's no no evidence to really support this besides the fact that Apple... It's it's obvious that Apple wants to get be more into be more in the living room. You know, they already have Apple TV. We know at some point they're going to come out with that, that... with the Apple actual television set. We know that this is going to happen and probably just working on it and trying to perfect it. Um, but I don't know. Like, it seems so out of character for Apple to, like... Uh, like, let's say... Because, I mean, what, what does Valve do? Like, they have Steam. So, it, it's Steam as a service. So, what type of integration with Steam would they be, would they try to do? Would they have Steam run the their entire, you know, I guess, game section if they were trying to make a console? Make oh. a digital distribution only? That doesn't seem... That doesn't really fit in Apple's, like, how they work. Very walled garden. Go ahead. Well, good Nick, go ahead. He's I don't know, I was going to say, what, what, do you, what, do you, what do you mean that Apple doesn't, the, the digital distribution doesn't fit for Apple? Not That's that, what... no, not that. Not that digital distribution doesn't fit for Apple, but the fact that they control everything. And on top of that, like that's the thing. That's why the Apple experience is the Apple experience because they control everything. It's kind of the same way that like Nintendo does things. Like that's why you know Nintendo they they don't they don't bring in third parties to make a Mario game. You know what I'm saying? They handle that internally. And then on top of that, you know they control the hardware. So they they take they they know exactly what they're working with and how they can do things. And that's kind of the same way Apple works. Right. But maybe I know this is this is kind of maybe it doesn't fit Apple's MO, but maybe they see like that Steam does everything that maybe Apple would want a uh, a gaming part of whatever they're building to be like. So instead of building something on their own, that's basically Steam for Apple. Why not just actually have Steam for Apple and then you already then you get that name of Valve and Steam to back your product, which I'd hate to say it. For gamers, when you hear Valve, you think quality. Am, am I crazy? No, you're right. So if if I I don't like Apple products, but the minute I hear Valve or Steam, I'm like, okay, that's a quality product because Valve would never – I've never seen Valve push out something or have something that does not meet standard. See, at the same time, though, I mean, like, one thing, I'm, I, the first thing that popped in my head is if, like, let's say they do make a console and Valve is the one that's powered, if Steam is saying that's Steam-powered, like, Apple takes 30% of every sale. I don't think, I don't think we can, 
we I don't think we can wrap our minds about what exactly they were talking about here because it's, like if, if 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 Apple went to Valve to say like we want to put Steam you know we want to put Steam on 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 a, on a Mac console. They could just turn the their apps. They could lower those walled gardens. They could. They, they have the dist- digital distribution channel. They have the 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 people submitting apps all the time. I, I think that they wouldn't need to acquire Steam. I think if they just they could turn themselves into Steam and they'd be bigger than Steam overnight. Uh, I, 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 so I don't I, think they're trying to acquire Steam. No, no, no. And well, maybe, maybe acquire is not the right word, but I don't think they need. I guess they, they don't need to put Steam on. The, the iPad, I think they can turn up, you know, they can kind of make the i the uh, the App Store into Steam, if they really wanted to. If that was sort of the vision for a store that they they had, uh, yep. so so I, I really I, I this this is intriguing, but I have no idea which way to go with this because in, in some ways it makes sense that they might want to work together, but I can't I can't see what the baby's going to look like. Well, <laughs> see just, now, I, go ahead. I, my my problem is like it's just a totally unverified report. Like it sounds like you know a really interesting thing on paper. It's it's good link bait, but I mean like it's just so far out of character that it doesn't make sense. But even if they would, like the only thing I really could see is that Apple would want to acquire Steam or Valve. Like I don't I don't see Apple like really like working with anybody. Apple doesn't do that. I I would see them like just like okay like we'll buy out Valve all like outright. You keep doing what you're doing. Put Apple on it because like you don't need. Like maybe for like you know, like, despite all like the the tumultuousness of like you know what gaming is right now and whether or not Apple really is like a force in the gaming world as far as like you know core gamers or anything along those lines, you, I, you don't need Apple to put Steam or Valve on something in order for it to like appeal to people. Like all you have to do is put Apple on it. Like the problem is that Apple wants to be everything, and so they're never going to focus on just being a a, a Steam. If they wanted to, like Nick's right, overnight they could do it. It wouldn't like if they wanted to do it, they could, but they that doesn't fit their mo. And I and them just partnering with Valve to make a console doesn't fit their mo either. If anything, I could see them buying them outright or or trying to, but it could have just been as simple as like, oh, we want to see how you do business. We want to see how you work. Yeah, it could just. Be I just bad. I, it's an unverified report. Like I'm sure people, you know, he may have very well gone there, but it. It, it, I'm taking it as an unverified report. Like it's there's nothing, nothing solid about this at all, and, and not even a whole lot that makes sense about it. Unless they're just trying to get ideas. Like, oh, you're working on you're working on wearable computing. We want to get some ideas for when we come out with, you know, Apple TV, or maybe there's something we could do. Maybe we get Apple Vision, like the way that they're talking about the Google Glass and stuff like that. I don't know. That actually, I think that actually makes more sense if they. Look at some of the other products because if they're yeah if they're into like the biometric feedback and all stuff of that nature that Valve's been working on independently that I think is more in, in line I, I agree with you on that yeah yeah it doesn't really make sense for, for them to partner with Valve on a console or some people suggest well maybe they want to change you know take their game center and you know turn it into Steam and that just doesn't that doesn't fit what they do. Like Apple is a bigger footprint by far than Valve does. Steam may mean Steam and Valve may mean quality, but Apple is known everywhere. This is true. Regardless. Yeah, but my my big thing is not that necessarily that they don't need them, but the simple fact that they don't let anybody else control anything. They control everything, which is why Apple is Apple. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see if anything comes from this. I don't expect it to, but only time will tell. 
I guess. Uh, but let's move on to our next topic, which is uh, that Tekken will never have paid DLC. Woo! Uh, yeah, I know, Mike, you like that one. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that was uh, very interesting. It's, uh, it's uh, It looks like it was uh, Edge Online had an article from Katsuro uh, Harada, I believe mm-hmm. it is. Yeah, Harada. Katsuhiro Harada, yeah. Yeah. I call him Cat, you know. He's my well, <laughs> I really like his comment about how he considers fighting game characters are like chess pieces that are essential to the game. And yeah, yeah, I thought that was interesting. Because if you think about it, like, I mean, if they sold a DLC character, what if that character is the character that you sync with more than anyone else that was on the original roster? And that's like losing your most value. That's like playing chess without your queen then at that point, I guess. In no sense. Oh, yeah, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And he says that he understands the certain aspects because of the way he considers them to be chess pieces. He understands why they would have them on the disc so that like if somebody has them, like you still can play against someone else. Like, you don't lose out. But at the same time, like he considers all of them to be essential. So you would, why, why make any of them pay for anyway? You know, like... And even like tech and like even get characters right away, but you can unlock them like you know old school style. Like you you do stuff, you unlock characters. You know like they don't mean not necessarily have the whole roster right away, but like you don't have to pay money to get those characters. So, I I mean like it's just a good thing. And I the only thing that really kind of I'm I'm interested in seeing is when you get tech and cross Street Fighter. I mean like I guess they have you know they have say over DLC characters or not. That's gonna be interesting. Well, Tekken X Street Fighter, that is that is being developed by the Tekken devs themselves as opposed to Street uh, Fighter X Tekken. I know, but that's what I mean. I mean, like, yeah. the same way that Street Fighter X Tekken, like, they had the choice to release and, like, there were Tekken characters that were part of the DLC, too. Like, I'm guessing that, like, Tekken Cross Street Fighter is going to be like, nope, no DLC. <laughs> like, and I just wonder how Capcom's going to take that or if they've well, already come to some sort of agreement on it. More than likely, it's a licensing agreement. Like, when they did Street Fighter X Tekken, they probably licensed those Tekken characters for that game, mm-hmm. like, and they pay and they pay you know they pay a certain amount of that licensing fee to you know to the developers or you know whoever owns Tekken, and it's probably going to be the same way. I seriously doubt they're splitting that game fifty fifty. Well, you know yeah, certainly. Yeah. But, well, I guess what I should say, like maybe I should maybe I should change what I'm saying. I I, I guess what I'm wondering what that means for their relationship in the future. Like, if you're going to see any more crossovers, considering like their divergent views on that, they may have had had this licensing for this, but they may in the future they be like, mm, maybe this isn't going to work out to work. Well, again. did you? What was that? I saw a, a Japanese 3DS RPG that was a cross of Capcom. And two other developers. Well, was it the just, one with Nam- Namco and yeah, it was Ban- like Bandai, yeah, this guy, yeah, and stuff. Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I forget what it was called. Cross Assault, something like that. Maybe no, um, not Cross Assault. I forget no. what it was called. Uh, it was it Cross was something. Cross, it was Project something. I don't know. I don't know. I remember Cross Edge, but that's not it either. Um, but I don't know. These these whole crossover things always have so many different kind of iffy things because different developers have different ideas to do things but i do like that uh, namco or at least the tekken team's uh leader has a stand on like no why would i put dlc characters people need those characters to play the game you know yeah yeah it's it's it sends a good message and let's let's i think it lets the community know that not everybody 
is in it for the money. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, some are still in it for the game. You know, I kind of wonder, though, I mean, they are sharing licensing to a degree on this. I almost wonder if it's maybe not kind of like a good cop, bad cop kind of thing. Like, oh, here's Capcom. Look at them being all greedy. But if you like, you know, maybe more characters and you like getting your characters over a period of time, you know, then by all means, let them sort of leech the money out of you. But if you, you know, if you kind of want to be high minded and, and, and sort of righteous about this, then, you know, just stick with the Tekken game and, and, and they're, they'll hit you both ways. And maybe you can kind of feel better about your purchase, you know, but you know, it's it's you know they're 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 all getting the money in the end anyway. Yeah, well, I'm pretty sure Capcom is getting the bulk of the money from Street Fighter <laughs> X Tekken, and you know these guys are going to get the bulk of the money from Tekken X Street Fighter. So uh, I think it's just, I'm I'm not even a fighting fan. And I thought it was pretty good, <laughs> you know. But uh, they're, they're they're taking this uh this approach. Tekken is uh, it's Namco, correct? Yes. Okay, just checking. I didn't want to say somebody else and then get attacked by a fighting fan. You know, I'm walking down the street at night. You got sure you can do the face. Yeah, you know, nobody wants that. No. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so you Tekken fans really don't need to worry about that. Or if, if you're one of those Street Fighter fans that felt a little slighted, well, now you can buy this game. You don't sound too pleased with that. Uh, you can say you can just buy this game, but like, there's there is a barrier between Street Fighter and Tekken because I mean, there's a reason why people play 2D and other people play 3D. I know. I was kind of joking. Sorry. That's okay. That's what I expect from a fighting fan. You don't know anything. <laughs> <laughs> you could have just said that, and I would understood. <laughs> well, let's uh move on to our final topic here. Uh. So last week we talked about an article uh, where uh, Richard Brown, remember Brown with an E, so I want to say Brownie, that guy? So Richard Brown, he was talking about the real cost of uh, the used game market, and we kind of we liked what he talked about and how used games affects game development. Well, there's not one, but two rebuttals to his statement saying that he's wrong. The price, the prong, the, the problem is the price of uh, the actual new games. That's that's what's wrong. Consumers buy used games because the new games are, uh, you know, too uh, priced too high. So they just, you know, buy, buy pre-owned stuff as a reaction. And GameStop is only reacting to what their consumers want, which are used, cheaper games. Um, I, don't even, I, I don't know if I should say this in the beginning, or not, because it might cut the conversation short. But both, like both authors, like one was on GamesIndustry.biz. It was John Walker, and then the other one is Chris Cole, Kohler. Uh, yeah, it's like on, Rock Paper Shotgun. It's John Walker. Okay, so but, but he he's just, I guess writing for Games Industry. Yeah, he's writing for Games Industry. Um, the thing is, they they're both saying that the publishers need to cut the price of the games and control budgets. And, you know, make great games for cheaper. And while I definitely agree that there are some games they don't have to spend as much money on, I think it was just a couple of episodes ago, maybe five or six, we just, I talked about, you know, my thoughts that Call of Duty's advertising could totally be cut back, you know, to save money on the game. But the thing is, if EA slashed their game's prices in half tomorrow, all of them, if every EA game was $30, mm-hmm. GameStop, 
would still charge would just charge twenty five dollars for the pre owned stuff. And then on top of that, they'll probably stock less new stuff, try to pull in more pre owned stuff because now the games will sell faster. They're gonna flip that much faster. You got something to say? No, it's but wouldn't it be I hate to the I mean most used games you get are they come with a guarantee, but for five dollars more, you get the new copy without, I guess, the uh, uh, with the code or whatever the stupid lock. If it comes with one, for now. if it comes with one, uh, and but then like five dollars more, you're guaranteed that this copy your has not ever been used. There's nothing wrong with it. All that kind of thing. Well, Versus that's the same way it is right now, though, for a new game. Like if you go and buy Call of Duty, Call of Duty sixty bucks. You buy it brand new, like, you know, within a few weeks of it coming out, it's 55 So that's still the same way it is right now. I think the only, I think, like, the one factor that I'm not putting into it is the whole um, online code thing, because that is a factor, you know? And that may come into, and now that, you know, GameStop actually has to warn about those those codes... That may become more of a factor. They may lower their price a little bit more, but still, like it's kind of the same thing. Yeah. As it is right now, like they'd still lower it a certain percentage, the same way they do right now, and still undercut the new game sales. I but I still think people would be more willing to buy like a thirty dollar game than a sixty dollar game new. I don't well, like, they I would. I mean, I, I see what Jared's saying. He's saying that even, but then, like, okay, well, aren't they more willing than to buy a $25 than they are to buy a $30 game in the same way? But, well, yeah. Well, good. No, you fin- I'm sorry, I cut you off for a second. Go ahead. Um, I, the main thing, though, is that, like, even beyond that, like, even if they did make that, that change, they undercut even more. Uh, the problem is that now GameStop's margin on what they're making for that game is even less because how much can they give you in credit for that $30 game then? They already give you shit for a lot of $60 games. Yep. Like, GameStop has to make more money. Like, their margin on, on the games at $60 is so much, and, like, that's why they do so well. You cut that margin in a third, like, GameStop is going to get by, but, like, how long are they going to get by? And on top of that, like the other thing too is that like it, it's almost like you're making the assumption that they're saying that like every game needs to be cheaper, and that's not what this is saying at all. It's saying that like not like games that you know like can we all make an agreement in a way that like say like Homefront or the you know like mid-level games like uh, even if you're talking about say like uh, Enslaved or or even like Rayman Origins as great as that game was should that game have come out at sixty dollars? I don't think so. Like like there has to be some sort of like I guess a reasonableness to like you know like Syndicate an untested game that like people it's not like it's you know got a prior anything to it you know aside from a loose connection to an old game and $60 why you know for what real reason and that's why games get ignored and like I think that that's a valid point I mean, like, I, I think this is a more multifaceted issue than it's just the publisher's fault or it's just GameStop's fault. Like, I think it's both of their faults to a certain extent. But, I mean, you can see the effect of publishers saying, well, we're going to sell everything at $60, even in digital now. With the exception of Steam, like, go take a look at Origin sometime. Like, almost all of those games are selling for the same price they would sell retail. And what reason is that? For, for what reason? 
other than that they can like i don't like that's not really like a good argument like the whole point of going digital is that you can save some costs on the consumers and not that we can give even more money to the publishers like whether you're giving more money to, to gamestop or more money to the publisher you know like everybody's kind of screwing you like the only person who's really getting screwed is the consumer and a certain extent I like I it's not such like a clear cut issue that like it's GameStop's fault or it's the publisher's fault like it's both I think and I think that the price is wrong for a lot of games but I don't think that you know when you're talking about Assassin's Creed or even Call of Duty or even if you want to talk about Madden which a lot of people would say isn't worth $60 but it's worth $60 to a lot of people that play it every year you know some people are never going to play certain games anyway you know like I'm not willing to spend $60 on a Call of Duty game you know every year but some people are, and they're free to do that. This just won't be a game that I play, but you know, I may be willing to pay $60 for Assassin's Creed, but how many more games would I play instead of having to wait for a Steam sale or something if a game could come out at $40 and it's a relatively new IP, you know, you have like, say, even like a Medal of Honor that comes out, like, fuck, fuck multiplayer, you know, don't, don't have a multiplayer. Even if you did have a multiplayer, it kind of sucked. Like, you had a decent single-player game, but was the game worth $60? Eh, not really. <laughs> like, like at least like I don't know like there's a lot of factors that are going to figuring out what the cost should be but like make it more reasonable like make it more palatable to the consumer because it is a service and price is part of that service like if you can't offer a good price like nobody's going to buy it in the first place it doesn't matter what's in the game you know even if it's a new game that does really well somebody's going to pay $60 for Skyrim but they're not going to say pay 60 for Homefront or should or shouldn't pay $60 for Homefront so, right I mean, but the thing is, even if, like, let's, we're going to cut digital out of the conversation because it's about, you know, you don't do pre-owned on digital. But um, even if they did come out to you, I mean, let's say they did release the, the single-player portion of Medal of Honor for 30 bucks, and somebody bought it in store, it's still, like, GameStop will still undercut them. Right, but my point still stands that GameStop loses out on the huge margin that they make, and they can't keep that up. Like, they, they won't make enough money to stay in business if they but keep that up. If the publishers are selling the games for cheaper, like new games, if they're selling that stuff for cheaper, that means they're, they're cut, their costs are cut in a certain uh, aspect. Or for a certain percentage, their co- uh, co- cost is actually cut. So, I mean, maybe they won't be making the bajillions of dollars there are right now, but they should be able to sustain themselves because they're cutting costs in that aspect. Yeah, I don't think you see the cannibalization of the market just as badly. Like, I mean, they're going to try and make more money back, but who's going to be willing to trade in, you know, even if you're talking about a $30 game, who's going to be willing to trade it in for $5 the week after they bought it? So that GameStop can make a a $20 profit on the game. The same people who kind of will trade in a, you know, a game for 15 20 bucks a week later i mean if the percentage is still the same way like, well you know before it was 60 dollars and i got 20 dollars back or 15 dollars back now it's only 30 dollars i get five dollars back and then i can still buy another used game so it's the used game is only 20 bucks in the meantime gamestop is still flipping that game for you know 25 dollars but the margin is still like the, 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 it still remains the same and and then your edge card or whatever they're calling it now your power-up card doesn't you know instead of you getting back okay like you get some sort of deal now you get thirty dollars instead of that twenty dollars or twenty six dollars instead of twenty dollars for a game like at least you're getting close to a fifty percent you're never going to get fifteen dollars back for that thirty dollar game right but that's the thing like it's they, they would just move their percentages down 
that's all I, they really need to do. I think that you don't have consumers at that point that, that follow through with it. But the problem with all of this conversation is that even if you use the nuclear option they talked about last week, okay, you use the nuclear option, you then you find out whether or not publishers really are to blame. Like, I, in a way, I almost wish they would because then you find out how badly, like, it's broken. Like, okay, you remove GameStop from the equation, how much are publishers screwing people too? Like I said, it's a multifaceted issue. Like, I don't know if you ever get rid of GameStop. Like, I don't, you know, at least at least until you do go digital. But... The, I, I, I get what you're saying if they go digital, though, because then I won't play probably half the games that I have been playing. Because I've bought games used just so I could play them. But I would have never bought them new at the price they're at right now. Yeah, like, buying a, buying like a a used game like months and months after it comes out and getting it at a, at a, like a much cheaper price is one thing. I think they're prime. they're talking about primarily consumers, you know, complain, not consumers, sorry, uh, publishers complain about, you know, their new stuff not getting really pushed. Cause when they're playing, like when they do their planning, you know, I think they said it was like three months worth of profits. They kind of, you know, they kind of cut the tail off after that and anything, you know, anything else after that is kind of gravy, you know? But they're looking for that that first three, maybe four months worth of sales, and then you know everything after that is you know is a plus. But they they already know that the tail isn't that long because of the way the market is. Let's. I, th- I think that's part of the reason too why you see some of the stuff like the on disc content is they know that releasing something what three months later, you know, be it on disc or digital, that forces you to have to keep that game for those three months. So there's no. They're trying to reduce the supply of you know what what's coming out there. Um, the the other thing that I think is interesting too here is uh, there's a there's a chart that's in the Wired article um, of historical budgets, uh, and unfortunately it doesn't it's it's not marked very well. Um, yeah, it just goes up. It just it just yeah it just hits hits around like 2000 well, I guess like 2002 2003 and it uh, it's fairly flat before that point and all of a sudden it just shoots up exponentially. Uh, the budgets do. And I, I, I think that's sort of an interesting point that uh, Kohler hits on, is that it wasn't really until the budgets got out of hand that all of a sudden used games seem to have become an issue in the last few years. That, that you know, there, there's always been an, a secondhand market for games, but it's only recently that it's been an, an evil secondhand market. Um, and I, oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, and I, I think that I think I think he, he's, he's sort of right there. Fundamentally, that. I think publishers are just throwing so much money into these games. I mean, even then, we've we've seen games be successful where they've turned a profit, but they haven't turned enough of a profit for the the, the publisher to, to justify a sequel. Bulletstorm. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That it's it, it's it's such a money making venture for them that I, I mean I'm I'm, act, I'm actually interested by your prospect of well if we just slash our you know the the price of the games you know so low that we'll barely be making any money at all can GameStop survive the minimized margins in that because it's I mean that that's a war that's awesome for the consumer but it it, it seems like it'd be a bloodbath for for both sides. I mean the whole thing about that chart there's a couple things that need to be taken into consideration. Um, First of all, when the chart really starts skyrocketing, that's that's around the same time we got into next gen, um, which actually the 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 PS2 Xbox generation you can see it start to go up there. Yeah. So you see, you know, now you're in the the the, the high definition uh, generation at that point. And then on top of that, like I mean, gaming was going mainstream before, but how much more how how much more popular has it become like since then? Like so much more, especially once. 
Call of Duty, like games like Call of Duty started dropping. You know what I'm saying? That started pulling people. Like, I have friends that don't play games. They're not gamers. They don't play games. They play Call of Duty. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, that's, that's just, that's, that's what they do. They don't play any other games except Call of Duty. Now, another thing that ha- started to happen with GameStop, like, yeah, GameStop, Fun, Colin, Babbage's, uh, you know, they were around beforehand. But their policy now is that they, they really, really limit the amount of new merchandise they pull in. And that's not like a recent 2010, 2011 thing. That was, uh, I think, I first heard about that back in like 2007, 2008. Might have been a little bit before that. That's that's right. Well, that's he does highlight 2005 on the chart. So you're within yeah. that little whatever he's trying to prove with that window there. You're 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 within that period. Right. Well, the actual thing is saying that they should roll back budgets to 2005 to make it sustainable because if they look at the curve of the chart, like you can't keep going up like that. And, and sustain like budgets on games and and make any kind of money without completely screwing the market up like you know charging hundred dollars for games and things like that but look at the type of games that came out in 2005 for those next-gen consoles yeah, yeah but it was also but you're i mean you're also talking about like the initial years of a next-gen console are never going to be like super great games it's people trying to figure stuff out right like has that you know like the I mean, you could argue like that God of War 2 or something is still just about as good as, you know, any game that we've gotten now, except they've got better graphics, you know, sort of thing. Yeah, but even like with a game of God, like God of War 2, let's say in the in the same time frame of that life cycle of like that PS2 Xbox life cycle, that budget was higher than, you know, let's say the game that would have came out a couple of years before. Right, but it wasn't it wasn't as pronounced a difference you know like it, it's one thing when the curve kind of like you know slowly moves up you know or arcs up or maybe levels off but like you're talking about something that just shoots up and it, it, it does it just keep going up then does it does it stay the same like i mean we're getting off topic because i mean he's just saying like roll it back to 2005 and it was actually somebody from dice who was saying it it's not even the guy saying it kohler um that like to make the market sustainable aside from like trying to just make everything Huge, huge budget, huge, huge budget. Right, but uh, the thing about budgets, it's not like these developers are running around the studio slapping each other on the ass while they're doing this stuff. Like, you know know what I'm saying? Like, this, like... Have you ever watched a developer video? (laughs) (laughs) A lot of times they are running around slapping each other on the ass. But, I mean, like... Uh... I mean, say, like, like, say at the Team Bondi. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, like... Tell tell Team Bondi to roll their budget back. Well, now rest in peace, Team Bondi. But, but you know, like you know, something like that where we know there was just tons of crunch going on with that game. Tons but of he, crunch, but but did they need all that budget? Because a lot of it was just mismanagement in that case. Then like, did they need all that budget? No, they needed a they needed not McNamara to be in charge of their project. I don't know. Well, there's there's games like that. There's like you, you tell me that you're gonna make a Crisis two. At the same with the same budget for a game like Cameo, not at all necessarily. But I mean, like it's saying that like it's not it's not saying that games can't be a higher budget. But like at least like say well then Crisis Two warrants a sixty dollar price tag. Cameo did not, you know, like there there's going to, even if like the curve like because the curve is an average really like you're only talking about the average of of what the all the budgets are for games, but. You know, like you're saying that, like, okay, well, some things are going to come above that curve. Call of Duty, Crisis, uh, Assassin's Creed, stuff like that's going to come above 
and some stuff's going to be below, but then shouldn't they be priced appropriately? Those other games, the Crisis 2s of the universe, like, yeah, they should be $60. They're worth it. Should any of those other games, you know, that aren't at that level or don't deserve that budget or don't need that budget or don't have that budget, why are they still $60 anyway? Well, just because a game isn't as good as, like, let's say, a, let's say, a, since we're talking about Crisis 2, like a Crisis 2, doesn't mean they didn't try. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, that's... That's the thing, like, if they spent the money, they spent the money, and now they have to, you know, recoup it. Like, I don't think anybody goes in, well, I shouldn't say that, because there's definitely some games where they're just like, fuck it, we got this IP, let's make a game. So there are definitely some, like, some games like that, but I think we do see games like that, like, you know, come out, and at a cheap price, like, well, I turn around, I look at Top Gun Hardlock, that came out at 40 bucks, you know, for, for, you know, a specific reason. But some games, you know, they got the developers on it. They're trying to make a AAA title. It, they just couldn't pull it off. So financially speaking, with their budget, like, sure, that may it may warrant a $60 price tag. Just because, actually, it's not good doesn't mean it doesn't warrant a $60 price tag. That's, 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 more, of a, that's more of an opinion thing. And when, I, when we say the game wasn't worth 60 bucks. I mean, it's an opinion thing, but I mean, like, of course, corporate's going to try and justify or like, you know, a suit is going to try and justify a $60 price tag. But isn't it the consumer experience that matters then? Like if, a, you know, an average user review of, say, on Metacritic, you know, I hate to use that example, but like if it's like a five out of 10, like, doesn't that mean that game wasn't a $60 game to a certain extent? I mean, and I'm not saying that that's 100% of everybody who ever played the game or anything that's putting a review in, but doesn't user experience count for more than you know than anything else not ultimately really i mean in the end because if the, if the game's bad it won't sell but you know in terms of like when they when they're setting the price no because like that they they spent money on a triple a title that's they're trying to recoup it's kind of like going to see a bad movie you're still going to pay the whatever however like 11 bucks to see a movie these days Right, but yeah, I mean, you're still uh, gonna pay the same price for a bad movie or a good movie. Uh, well, let's put it this way: we've we've lamented in the past in certain topics on the Mashcast that you know that why is like that everything is AAA, even though like we can pretty much agree that not everything, even though they're calling it AAA, is AAA. You know that there is no A or AA anymore, and that's kind of like a kind of a sad thing because there should be multiple levels because there should be some differences because not everything can be AAA. If everything is AAA, nothing is AAA. Like so. Just because you you want to to be AAA doesn't make it a AAA game, and like maybe that's where like there needs to be a real like a reality check that like you can't like not everything can do that. Yeah, so, well, that that's a totally valid point. But the thing is, they still spent that AAA money on it. That's what they're looking at when they set those prices. Like I, mean, I, I understand what you're saying I mean, because like, we, yeah, but so but isn't that the root of the problem then? Like, doesn't that mean that like fundamentally it is the publisher's fault to a certain extent? I mean, I, like I said, it's a multifaceted issue. It's not just one person at fault. But like, even if we have to dig back into like what the actual root of the issue is, even if it's not just price, it's price and budget, and it's not price, it's it's budget and mindset, and if it's not just mindset, it's mindset and management and blah blah blah. blah. Even if you have to go all the way back to dig it up and say like this is the problem, it still is on the publisher's end. And doesn't that still make it their fault? Doesn't it mean that ultimately that all of those things influence the fact that we've got out of control budgets and games have to be priced at $60 to even make any money back? And then we're looking at potentially in the future that prices may even get more out of control because budgets keep getting out of control because everything is still AAA or quadruple A because we've seen that too. And that ultimately the price is wrong. Like, you know, like to, to just 
use the title, the price is wrong. And it, the, the, but it's a ripple effect that just results in it. I don't, it's not an easy issue to fix. It's not just as simple as saying, well, you sell that game at $30. It's totally not worth $30 because it's who's going to be like, but I paid like $15 billion to have this game made. No, it's not going to work that easily. But like, just because it's not an easy issue to fix doesn't mean it shouldn't be fixed. Like, it's just, it's so easy in a way to say that it's GameStop's fault. And having, and, and, and knowing GameStop as well as I do and, and understanding their business practices, yeah, it's totally GameStop's fault too. But, also, one thing that they point out is that Brown didn't provide any evidence. Another thing I didn't realize either is that Brown's actually like in the industry. He's a consultant for like, you know, like the game industry as far as like for companies THQ and stuff. specifically. Right. Like he's got kind of like a, an angle there. I mean, like everybody has an angle, but I mean, like he's got a certain angle to say like, well, it's totally GameStop's fault. That's not the end. Of it. It's not the publisher's fault. You know, publishers were forced to do this. But I mean, uh, like they're saying that like you know but like he's saying like oh it's all conjecture you know on everything and he's just and he provides no evidence for anything he's saying and it sounds nice it it makes it like nice tidy neat argument and that's i guess why we like ate it up so easily last week but it's not such an easy argument it's not so tidy you know that but like the they pointed out the wired article pointed out that um out of 26 million people that you know traded in games 16 million of those people use the money to exclusively buy new games. Which is like, I mean, like they, it doesn't that mean that like the, the issue isn't that like, well, I just want to like trade in the game so I can keep buying used games and keep cannibalizing the market. Doesn't that mean that like the fact is that the games are so expensive that you can't even afford to, you know, buy more than a couple games without trading in the games that you have, like without flipping over games. Like GameStop and make a profit from those residual games, but like that means there's just a huge chunk of people who like feel like there's no other recourse than to trade games in order to buy new games. I think if if new if if the game trading didn't exist, they'd still buy the new games. It's just uh... they would buy the new games, but would they buy as many? And I mean that's always the argument, and it's the same argument as that you know if you have a game that's if you have 15 games coming out in November that are sixty dollars, well. And somebody's got $120 in their pocket for Christmas, what are they going to buy? They can only buy two games. So 13 of those games or whatever are sitting out there and they're never going to get bought. Or like that, it's, you're going to be splitting up that market. But if you've got games that are priced more like on a spectrum, you've got, you know, $20, $30, $40, $50 games, which we don't even fucking see anymore, aside from, you know, something being on a handheld or something, that at least somebody can make their dollar go further without having to resort to, well, let me take in my whole collection to go trade it in so I can get more than two games for Christmas. You know, something along those lines. But then on, you still have to worry. We're about to go into a circle because you still have to worry about GameStop undercutting you with a new game. Well, yeah, but, but at that point, I mean, we don't I think care we've covered that the because game. The, right. Like, I think we covered that, though, because of the margin. Like, the, it's not sustainable to them. To, to have that margin, even if you're saying percentages, like you're, there's still a dollar amount that comes out of that percentage that's not near what GameStop is getting now, and it's just not sustainable for them. Like they have to be able to still compete, and their only way for them to compete with big box stores is because of the huge margin they make on used games. You start cutting that margin down, and all of a sudden they can't fund their business, I, and you have to do something different. I, I, I just don't see, like, just because GameStop will change their prices doesn't mean that GameStop is successful over a long period of time doing it. Like, even if they if they keep undercutting. There comes a point where you undercut and you can't really make a real profit off of something. But, uh, yeah, it's gonna, we went way over on that topic, so we're just going to wrap up now. 
Let's see. In terms of games coming out next week, what day is it? Today is the 19th. Okay, so next week. Nick, did you want to give this another try? Cause... Oh, because I screwed it up last week? Yeah. Uh, Not really. <laughs> okay, then I'm just going to do I, it. I appreciate the offer, but uh, no, I'll, I'll humbly put my tail between my legs and walk away on this one. Okay, uh, then let's see. We have Binary Domain come out for PC, Walking Dead for PC, for oh, PC and Xbox Live Marketplace. Prototype 2, Bloodforge, which I actually got a chance to play at PAX, which was, um, it was an interesting hack and slash. It was, it was a little bit more than hack and slash, but in the end, it was still a hack and slash. Risen 2 on April 24th. Uh, and then is, what is this? I guess a Dead Rising 2 DLC off the record for Xbox Live Marketplace. I thought that came out already. I thought so too. Record. Maybe it's just maybe it's just getting released digitally now instead. Yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe it's not going to be on disc. Hmm. Or maybe yeah. Who knows? Like I, I'm pretty sure that was out. Uh, the big game for next week is uh, Chuck E. Cheese's Arcade Room for the DS. Yeah. So everybody so buy that game. And let us know what you thought about it in the comments. Uh, but. That is going to bring us to the end of our show. You can catch us on SoundCloud, which is soundcloud.com slash smash those buttons. It was uh, Twitter. You can also catch us on iTunes and Stitcher Smart Radio on your iOS device or Android device. Uh, Twitter.com slash MTB site and Facebook.com slash smash those buttons. Uh, so, yeah, that's going to bring us to the end of the show. Thank you very much for listening, and we will catch you guys next week. Until next time. Take care. Bye.